passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind a Raw, the Labor Day edition of the show. I am John Pollock alongside Wei Ting, who always puts the U in labor, as we do in Canada. Hmm. Right. Um. Okay. Okay. Trying to think what that what what that means. Nothing. That's it. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing all right. You, you know? go outside today. Uh, briefly, but not for very long. Cause yeah, we're going through a bit of a, probably the last heat wave of the summer, but it's a really hot one. Yeah. It said today we had a high of 33, which for our American friends, that's like 89 Fahrenheit, but felt like 39. It was insane outside today. Like this was like oh, Vegas yeah. heat. The closest I can recall. Yeah. And for those of you who might actually be in Vegas, um, it's not, not for, it's not that much hotter in vegas like vegas is usually like low 40s typically yeah yeah low well, to I, mid 40s like i mean i guess for a lot of people like how hot it is 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 somewhat relative a lot of people might be used to hot, hotter temperatures where they are um like we get a range certainly in canada in toronto especially but this is even for toronto like in the summers it feels a lot hotter than you know it, what i would classify usually as hot this is going to be the part of the show where I say, if anyone is going to tweet me to tell me how hot it is where they live and that we should stop complaining, you can do that, but I'll block you. Okay. I will block you if you go out of your way to tell me, well, here it's even hotter. You know what? I don't live where you live. I live where I live and it was hot today. So that's what I'm right. saying. I have a very uh, divisive relationship with people online. How are you? I asked that already. I don't care. Um, what are you looking forward to? Way? What's... uh? What's on in, tap this week? In life? In, yes. I don't care about wrestling. I don't care about anything else. What is what your goal to? for this week in huh. September? Um, I think just to be happy. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to build something. Maybe you have a no. purchase to make. Not, Maybe. Nothing specific, no. You know, I, I think your, your beautiful backyard. Way has a wonderful backyard. I always tell him I'm... I'm considering inviting myself over one of these days. You are, you, you are welcome. Um, I actually had WH Park over today. What? You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It was a lovely little uh, get together. Did he, did he just show up? 
no 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 oh. he, we had we planned this for for uh for a bit but yeah it helped out like you know he 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 gets along really well with oscar he's wonderful with children he is i he don't is. know if you know this i um, I, I was only the once when we were at your place and he was uh he was, he was very good with uh with kids i've never seen him around kids before great with kids you know does um, swear around them but eh, you take the good with the bad i i mean i didn't experience that today but um <laughs> it, it's okay at this age I, they don't even know what what most of that stuff is let um, me tell you about this 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 shit they they air on monday nights that your dad watches okay here's here's some stuff you really want to get into you know what um i actually sat down and watched the vikingo versus nick gage with him like just uh, with a bit of downtime how was the match and, uh, um i i personally enjoyed it i i think certainly more than wh did i don't think it falls within any sort of like you know venn diagram of the type of wrestling that he likes but i thought it delivered like a good sampling of what you would expect from both of them um but blended together so you didn't watch the whole gcw show with wh i did not no no um i think he uh i would have loved his thoughts on uh john wayne murdoch or you know swoggle and colt cabana teaming up uh, <laughs> it's quite the card for it, crafted for him yeah no, but he, like you know, he he helped out um, watching Oscar for one of his wake windows. It was it was a lovely time. Well, that's great. I'm glad you had a, a great Monday. How about um, you? What are you looking forward to? Um, tomorrow's the first day of school, so that is. I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. I think Max has really enjoyed the summer and is not. Uh, I don't think he's stoked to be going back to school, but he is. So that's that's tomorrow. Um, Evie's not doing school. Uh, Every school or anything. No, she's she's just going to be homeschooled. Uh, for right. no, no, she'll uh, she actually starts next year. Wow, they will be both That's off the bad. school. Yes. Okay. You still have a few years before that that big uh, transition. I do, but isn't it good? Isn't it kind of good for for you? You know, just to have a, a bit more, a little bit more free time potentially with uh with one of the kids in school. W- one less child in the house during the day that will be a lot less chaotic than than right. two of them that are just uh trying to just destroy everything in sight mm-hmm. this this weekend you probably know this you're you're very in tune with everything that that uh, goes on but we were woken up on saturday morning uh by max who informed us that uh evie has gone downstairs she's gotten into the paint and we sprung up and we were like, no, no. And we run downstairs and our collective reaction was, it was like momentary silence as we digested what we were seeing. Like, is there a possibility this is a bad dream? Because this, the amount of paint that this girl had gotten into, like this was sealed paint that she had like bit open and just, painted everything in sight she's covered in this paint there are foot marks over the carpet there is paint on our couch there's paint all over the place i sent you photos of this do, do i have permission to share one of these pictures oh go for it sure uh, it's you, it's a disaster it, it, it's it's a little hard to see this but those okay. those blocks that are all on that table they have all been painted um they're magnetic and- blocks yeah, they're magnetic blocks that have yeah. all been painted. And I mean, she just uh she just went to town on on Can our, I show the couch? Go for it. Yeah. This was a uh, Oh yeah, there's paint here. Yeah. You know, so like, so if you're gonna have paint in the house, don't have a child, is what you're saying. 
it was a uh, it was a uh, it was an interesting morning to say the least. But anyway, yeah, paint is uh, something you want. So to you might be sending avoid. Evie to school a, a year early. Is that it? Well, um, no, she's she's not. But that was uh, she clearly is already taking up arts and crafts um, at a, at a very young age. So brutal. Yeah, that was my my advice to you. Don't buy paint. Okay, that would be or like put a combination lock on it or something. You know this quite i mean i think you should be impressed you know the fact that she was able to get like find the pain be able to open it herself be able to like go Dude, through she a lot does, of hassle she is able to she takes like different uh like whether they be garbage cans or stuff like she will take stuff stack them and climb to get to what she needs and it's a miracle she has not like fallen on any of this stuff but some of the things she pulls off like this is a this is a 2 year old and what she can do is it's insane. She sounds we, incredibly resourceful. Yeah. She's very resourceful. And she's like, and doesn't like put up with like any of like our discipline or anything. Like if she wants to shut me down, it's like, please stop talking. Please stop talking. Please stop talking. <laughs> and it's just like, excuse me. <laughs> it's yeah. She's, um, I think I've lost control of her. So man, um, I, I, I do you so i know you you don't really want people tweeting you um i guess um temperature updates from where they are but are you are you open to like maybe um parenting advice from people who have maybe dealt with similar um issues with their children it's nice when uh, people think of that um i'm not i'm not um soliciting advice but. okay i don't even know if this is so much an issue i mean it sounds like it, it's it's a two-year-old being a two-year-old That's there's some incredible a... talent here you know, some incredible gifts that that maybe could be, you know, yeah. mine somehow. Yeah, I I inevitably uh l- like laugh at these things. I, I get upset over other things, but um, this one was just more so. I mean, it was it, it was definitely like <laughs> there's part of it is well, well, at least let's get some photos here before we have to clean this whole thing up. So we know this. Is you got this. a podcast story out of it. That's it. That's all you you can you can hope for in this day and age. Well, coming up this week. Uh, Way and I, we're going back to a time uh, pre-children for us. It's the summer of 2016 when it was a hot week in Las Vegas, when we were there for UFC 200. Three shows and three nights. The UFC was sold the next week, and we are chatting about the main card of UFC 200, a historic event for the company featuring Brock Lesnar against Mark Hunt, featuring Amanda Nunez against Misha Tate, and the big John Jones, Daniel Cormier. Oh, wait a minute. John Jones got pulled from the fight due to a drug test issue. And Daniel Cormier fights Anderson Silva on last minute notice at the T- the UFC's first event at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. The brand new constructed arena in the city. Uh, yes, a lot of drama heading into this particular week and um, some memories that I'm sure we'll do our best to try to share. So we're going to recap some fights and then we're going to spend an hour talking about Korean food and all of our other adventures in yes. Las Vegas that week, uh, seven years ago. Very exciting. Okay. So check that out on rewind away this coming Thursday. We've got all your regular favorites. We will have rewind to dynamite. We will have rewind to SmackDown collision course. And then Wednesday morning, it will be B Detroit and John Cena, their final week, uh, filling in for Davey and Braden. Davey is reportedly going to be returning from England this week. Happy belated birthday to Davey Portman as well. 
Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure he wishes he was celebrating his birthday at the Hitman's Bar in Calgary, but uh, <laughs> London will will suffice in its absence. All right, all of that can be found postwrestling.com. And if you didn't hear any of the news about uh, CM Punk and a falling out with AEW, uh, I have recapped the last two years for everybody to get caught up to date. I, I felt like why not? Let's who who has really dived into the CM Punk story of late? No one, right? So why not I spend my day writing about CM Punk? And uh, that is what I did today. And you can read all about the trials and tribulations of the AEW CM Punk uh, marriage and divorce and the highs and lows, because there were definitely uh, parts to both throughout this very erratic relationship and one that came to an end on Saturday. Incredibly comprehensive as always from you, John. And um, did you gain any new perspective from maybe looking at the totality of his run in quick fashion like this? I mean, I look at it and I think that he has sent, he has set some benchmarks in AEW that are going to be very hard to eclipse. I don't think that it's going to be easy for them to beat this pay-per-view number that he set with Darby Allen two years ago. Um, I don't think there's a prayer there will ever be a more watched episode of Rampage. Um, that mm. that record seems pretty solid in in Punk's uh, corner until he comes back. Well, I mean the the if there was a bit of um like looking at it, did he make a difference on Collision? Yes. Was he an overwhelming difference maker? No. And we will look back, and this is the timing of this could very well benefit CM Punk and and his drawing ability because inevitably Collision is going to be hurt. College football is now back and you would think that Collision is going to whether Punk was there or not, I think Collision was going to start to take a bit of a hit over these next couple of months and now if you are somebody that's arguing for Punk's um reinstatement in AEW or were advocating for him to stay, you can probably look at that and you can make that argument. But the fact is that collision had kind of reached a level and I don't know if it was as high as people expected a show built around the returning CM Punk was going to be. And outside of that first week, the other big success of collision had been that week where it was FTR defending the tag titles against uh, MJF and Adam Cole in Hartford. And that pulled a very strong number as well. And that's not to say collision has been um, a disappointment. Like they're doing a point two zero, and that's, that's a, that's a good number for, for Saturday night. But I, I think inevitably that they are going to now fall below a point two. So you can, you can look at where, where was punks. Um, where was the, the drawing power of punk. And I think this last year it did somewhat hurt it in terms of a certain fan base, but you also have the Saturday night factor as well. Would punk have been performing differently if he was positioned on Wednesday nights every week and would he have meant more there? It's a question we can't answer. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I don't think there's any doubt that um, this is going to be harmful to AEW's business, but um, they, there are certain things that, to me, it seems like um, no matter how much benefit he provided, um, this company probably wasn't going to stand for. And this was one of those incidents. So it, it almost feels like um, whether or not we can talk about CM Punk's drawing power has a lot to do with whether or not those issues could be overcome first and foremost before we discuss any sort of like certainly return, you know, to AEW, but even employment in another, another company. Yeah, I mean, there's 
there's going to be differing opinions on on how this was handled. Um, Mark Henry, I, I did hear his comments on Busted Open Radio, and you know he he's in a he's in an interesting position as you know being a member of the media on Busted Open while also being employed by AEW, and the way he laid it out was okay. The problem's out now, so there better not be any more problems, right? Because the problem's gone, and if you can read between. So yeah, almost sarcastic, a little bit of sarcasm. It, it came across yeah. as sarcastic in that, okay, this is maybe not Mark Henry's belief of, you know, maybe th- this guy presented his problems, but it was not isolated to this one guy. So when inevitably there are other issues, and listen, this is not going to just be a, you know, all you know, sunshine moving forward. I mean, there are inevitably in any locker room, there are going to be issues that rise to the surface and sometimes boil over. Um, but the way you kind of had it framed from Mark Henry was of, of the sense that you, you certainly had for him that this should have been like, this was a valuable uh, performer that this should have been handled internally. This should not have been the end result. That's what I took from his um, description and opinion. Yeah, certainly sounded like he was frustrated and that, um, you know, certainly not all the blame for the incident should be placed on CM Punk. Um, he also I, blamed the media. The media uh, caused all this. Oh, of course. It's always, um, it, it, you know, something, uh, an easy target, I suppose. Um, I, It's a unique sort of like relationship I think he has with uh, Busted Open as well as, you know, being attached. Um, And uh, I think Booker T is very similar with his podcast where like he gets to speak really about his genuine thoughts about topical stories at large. Um, I I also I'm also curious to know, like maybe how uh, Tony Khan or people within AEW would would feel about basically like what sounded to me like an employee criticizing one of the moves um, that I'm sure was done with, with a lot of consideration and it's a radio show. So, you know, it's a radio show where he's, he's asked to give his opinion and the guy gave his opinion. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will agree. Um, I, I don't know without knowing exactly why he was fired or, you know, the, the re- like the, the specific reasons. I can't really say if it was an overreaction at all. You also have to remember that when you are hearing from veterans in the industry that have seen it all in locker rooms, this is not some scandalous or fireable offense that they are seeing. I mean, that is from a generation that this kind of stuff um, was just common practice or it was just handled in a much different way. And they're going to come at it from that perspective. Did you see any of the, the reference on being the elite today? No. What was the reference? So there was one scene where Kenny Omega is needs a drink. And he takes this bottle that appears to be a Pepsi bottle. So it's it's actually not. Um, it's not, but it's it. They're stating it was water with electrolytes, but he's hiding like the bottle. That's how he drinks water on BTE. It's sort of a running gag. He he does it with the two hands. Okay, but then several scenes later, they're all together drinking cokes together, and. I think if, if okay. anyone, I, I think it's a cute way of plausible deniability. Um, but I think those guys are all clever enough to know that people uh, were going to take that in such a way. I did. I haven't seen the scene with the Coke, but like, I think Kenny himself, like went on Twitter to answer one of those, um, 
headlines claiming that he was drinking Pepsi um, in reference to CM Punk um, to deny it himself. I'm because like I've seen him do this bit, you know, throughout the rest of BTE. I'm willing to bet at least for that particular scene that it might have just been coincidental or at least a bottle that looked like a Pepsi. But I did not see the Coke scene that you're referencing. Okay, well, it, it perhaps it's just misinterpretation if you want to give them the uh the benefit of the doubt on on that particular instance so uh it was water with electrolytes that yeah. tasted like a lighter fluid uh yeah yeah so kenny omega in reference to uh, a headline from nodq.com um Kenny Omega drinks a Pepsi. CM Punk has a Pepsi tattoo during being the elite and says it tastes like lighter fluid. Kenny Omega tweets, water with electrolytes. Stop it, please. Okay. Well, they would uh they, they would never like make subtle reference to to something though. So of course they would. Um now with it with this do, do being... they deserve the benefit of the doubt? That's my question. Um I think now for me the answer is yes. But I would have said that after Brawl Out, and then they had that match with, you know, um, the Death Triangle, like, completely referencing everything, right? So, whatever. Like, I have no right answer here. Whatever I say, people are going to get mad at. Some people will get mad at. So, what do you think, Then you can tweet, stop it. Yeah, sure. Stop it, please. Well, let's move on to the All Out press conference uh, that went down after the event and just some of the notes that came out of this. Uh, Tony Khan was asked about no uh, CM Punk having a no-compete period. He would not comment on that. He was asked about Jack Perry and stated that Jack is suspended indefinitely. So that's the only update we have on, on Jack Perry. So it's not like he has not been, been punished uh, from this, but it would appear that he is not going to lose his job and this will be, you know, he will serve the suspension and then seemingly come back at a date to be determined. And, like, really, it was... Like the obvious topic was all CM Punk related and it seemed like Tony Khan got everything he wanted out the day before and he was going to evade and no comment like usual here. And when he was asked by uh, Adam Cole was out there at one point and Nick Houseman asked uh, Adam Cole a question about the vibe of the locker room with everything going on with CM Punk. And then a secondary question was to Tony Khan about what he has learned from this whole situation involving cm punk so adam cole gave an answer of just man we were so excited about these shows and the biggest shows in the company's history it just made no reference to punk and tony khan didn't even answer the question he just moved on so that was about what it was limited to when it came to uh, the incident from last weekend whether you uh agree or not but he had to have known like he was going to get questions about this but i guess felt you know the he put out the statement and he was not going to elaborate any further. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of expected as much like the statement uh, coupled with like his appearances, both in arena and also on um, collision, I feel kind of gave a lot, gave us a lot more detail than I think we were all expecting. And that I, I think number one was done, you know, to again, try to maybe answer a lot of questions from the audience, but number two, so that he wouldn't have to field a lot of these similar questions uh, at the press conference and, um, I have to imagine a lot of it is still legally tied up um, or at least, you know, maybe a lot more sort of like mm, secretive than he's willing to um, reveal at, at present time. And that it's what it is right now. He also shared that um, 
with CJ Perry, she is not under any long-term guarantee. So it seems like it, it's a short-term thing, but of course, if, uh, of course that could always change and it's extended, but it looks like at least this initial deal, it's just a, a short-term thing and we'll see how things go. Yeah. And other things was the business of the show. He, as we mentioned on, on Sunday show, he's, Believes it'll be over a hundred thousand buys for Sunday show, and that All In is closer to two hundred thousand buys. And he believes that if they end up drawing, uh, if they they sell approximately um, between the two shows, you're looking at almost a hundred thousand tickets and three hundred thousand buys. That he looks at those as really strong numbers and believes that that is you know more more than enough fuel to try this again next year and i would certainly say with over two hundred thousand buys you would definitely think that that would be um considered a success for all in yes absolutely i I would say for all out as well like i would think that like if they have done over a hundred thousand buys i think they look at that as as a success coming this this shortly afterwards and then um Mentioned he is not renewing Sonny Kiss's deal uh, when when that was asked about. And then Brian Danielson was asked about um, deciding what he wants to do. And, you know, once this deal is up, he will assess. He wants time at home with his family, but he's also, you know, he loves pro wrestling. And he says anything he is asked to do by Tony Khan, he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. A company person and that Saturdays for collision will be much better for his family life and uh, heavily praised uh, Ricky Starks going so far as to state that Ricky Starks carried him through the match. And it was a match full of a lot of smoke and mirrors and seemed very happy with the end result and that he was cleared by AEW medical and an outside surgeon. And um, yeah, another like very strong Brian Danielson appearance at one of these press conferences. And I guess the only other thing was Christian noting that he had recently signed a new contract, but him, he did his largely in character on the stage. Mm -hmm. Was asked about edge and says he has no friends, but Luchasaurus, but Luchasaurus. So there you have it. All right, we will move on. Um, Sunday also featured the end of the N1 victory tournament where Goshi Ozaki won his first N1 tournament, beating Keno uh, in the finals. Um, not not the level of Danielson and Ricky Starks, but this was a really brutal, hard-hitting match that the two had. Um, this included these huge chops and kicks, multiple sequence of this, and this spin kick that drilled Shiozaki and uh Hitting him, hitting go with this big head kick uh, while he was on this his knees that looked uh, devastating, and then we saw Shiozaki make his comeback with an emerald flosion for a near fall, and then winning with the moonsault. They went 32 minutes and 48 seconds. So now uh, Go Shiozaki will challenge Jake Lee on September 24th in Nagoya, and Keno was the only person to beat Jake Lee, who's the GHC heavyweight champion, during the round robin portion. So the um, the big title match is September 24th, but Noah's next big card uh, is Marafuji's anniversary show on September 18th at Corkin with Marafuji against Will Ospreay, which is the match that Ospreay was um, pushing for and received. And that'll probably be a, a very big match given, you know, Ospreay and a first time match with Naomichi Marafuji. One of his idols. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, coming up in three weeks time. 
Uh, TV ratings are delayed because of Labor Day, so we will get the SmackDown and Rampage numbers on Tuesday, but everything will be uh, pushed back for the next several days. But coming up over the next two nights, we have NXT, which will feature Tiffany Stratton and Kiana James for the women's title, Von Wagner against Braun Breaker in a no-DQ match, Mustafa Ali against Dragon Lee with Dominic Mysterio as a referee, Oral Mensa against Ilya Dragunov, and Daba Kato against Tyler Bate. Dynamite on Wednesday is in Indianapolis, Indiana. All we have is Jericho and Sammy Guevara against Aussie Open. The World Title Eliminator Tournament uh, kicks off with the winner challenging on September 20th at Grand Slam. And then we will hear from Hangman Page and MJF on the show and probably uh, many more match announcements to come before Wednesday night as they come out of the show and have a they have a very quick turnaround because you have both Grand Slam and Wrestle Dream over the next couple of weeks to set up big matches for. So it's not going to be the usual um, turnaround for a pay-per-view where you've got months before the next time you have to peak. They've got two very big shows in four weeks time. Yeah. Um, we'll see if, um, you know, there might be a, an MJF title defense for Wrestle Dream or if they, they might be holding it off to, for Grand Slam. So we'll see. I thought I thought coming out of All Out that a great match that you could do would be two of the the L.A. Dojo like protégés of Samoa Joe against Brian Danielson, who both had their big wins. It's a tribute to Anoki, and that sets up who gets the next shot at MJF. Mm hmm. You can yeah. do that for for Russell Dream and have MJF in some other role on the show. Maybe it is him and Cole on that show. If you're going to do a title defense at Grand Slam and then save his next title defense for the winner of Joe and Danielson, or you go in a different direction. It's just a question of when you get to MJF and Joe, I would assume. Yeah. Raw tonight was at uh, the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is our last week before Monday Night Football returns next week. And tonight they had no Cody Rhodes, no Kevin Owens, no Becky Lynch, and uh, no Trish Stratus either. So four pretty sizable stars that they had without. And I will say, in their absence, I thought this was a pretty entertaining edition of Raw. I thought so, too. I thought it did a lot of really good building for the future, in particular with Jey Uso and um, his sort of insertion into this this world uh, and this cast of characters. So taking a break from I mean, we don't even know if Trish will come back at this point, but um, it doesn't seem like it. There was not there was no follow up tonight like that did feel like the the end of the run. Right. They promote the show as being a historic one. If Gunther can win, win, then he then sets the new record for the longest intercontinental champion of all time. Unless, um, I guess he runs into someone on SmackDown, which I guess he will not. So he will break the record. Maybe they'll do a special countdown clock all week. Um, maybe. Jay Uso arrives. He comes through the audience. And Michael Cole mentions that Cody Rhodes used to be an EVP and he can get things done. look at that so he welcomes everyone to raw and jay says you know i've only been gone about two or three weeks but it felt a lot longer and he reached a breaking point fighting his family every week and you know if if that was the problem you would have thought like man i'm not gonna quit this company they have a second show that i could go on to like this this was always an option for him so instead of just ending your career this is this is a good backup plan go to raw I don't know why he didn't consider it. Well, maybe because he didn't believe in the roster split. I mean, you know, they people go back and forth all the time. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe one of those weeks when Cody came over to SmackDown, he convinced him and said, you know, the brand split's real. It's real. Mm. So 
He says Cody called him and he knows he has some enemies in the back. And this is going to be the story. Like he's coming over into enemy territory um, where he is not liked because of all his past actions alongside the bloodline. But Sami Zayn comes out and he says that he is happy that Jay is here. And they didn't always see him and Owens didn't always see eye to eye on him. But Owens isn't here tonight. And he says he's happy for Jay breaking free of the bloodline. He now truly is main event Jay Uso. And he gets choked up stating how proud he is of Jay offers his hand. But Jay doesn't accept it. But then as he's leaving, Jay says, well, that wasn't very oozy of me. And he puts out his hand and they have a big hug. Mm-hmm. Crowd cheers. They love hugging. Especially with these two. I mean, we um this is like two a- AEW angles altogether. They they left them hanging on the handshake and then we got a hug at the end of it. So didn't we get um Sammy and did we get a Sammy and Jay hug earlier? Have we ever had that? We did the Sammy and Kevin Owens hug. That was yeah. uh pre-WrestleMania. I think we had didn't we have a Sammy and um Jay hug, but with Sam Jay turning on Sammy? Uh, yeah, when when they like beat him on Romania? the floor afterward, they did it. They did one where it was like a big. They built to something and then immediately killed Sammy. Right. Anyway, so there's there's all Sammy's there's, very forgiving, as is Cody. But I think that's pretty consistent with the Sammy Zayn character as it relates to Jay Uso. He's always been the one to see you know, see past you know all all the bullshit for Jay. And I think like the Jay character has been presented as one that has always been conflicted about whether or not he'd choose good or bad. And tonight, um, I'm glad that they're not continuing to drag out whether or not Sammy and Jay are going to be friends. We are way past that at this point, and we're just starting things off with basically Sammy Zayn being the only friend of Jay Uso on Raw right now. And I absolutely love this storyline that they've set up for Jay entering Raw. You can say what you want about the brand split and whatever, but like I still think there's a lot of benefit to having it um, as long as you can use it to tell certain stories that you wouldn't otherwise be able to without the brand split. And so they're basically like kind of using Jay as star player from a rival team that suddenly just got traded to your home team in exchange for the old star player who might not be as effective anymore, but is beloved by the hometown and everybody on the team remembers this guy playing for the opposition and he absolutely hates him. And there's so much drama, you know, to be able to told from a guy trying to navigate those waters to try to earn the respect and earn the trust of his new teammates. Essentially. Is this like when Adam Banks got moved from um, the Hawks to play for the mighty ducks? Uh, Yeah. Because he was in the wrong district. Yeah, exactly. That's the 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 motivation. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was our opening segment. But then, as Jay is leaving, Drew McIntyre's music plays, and I was waiting for Drew to just shove him to the side like Samoa Joe. I mean, this was very reminiscent of what just happened last night. But he just eyes Jay, and they they lock eyes, and Zayn gets between them, and Drew just continues to the ring, and then Riddle comes out. He also stares at Jay. And I, I don't think anyone – Jay shouldn't have been too concerned about it. It's like I, I can deal with this guy being on my bad side. But, Drew, you might want to be what watching out for. They all – I mean, every baby face, you know, of, of note in on Raw, really within the WWE, has had a history with the bloodline at this point. And Jay was, you know, right-hand man to Roman Reigns causing a lot of that damage. So I love the fact that they're using all of that to tell further stories, to tell further drama of a guy trying to fit in. 
Yeah, I thought they did a really good job of establishing Jay in this new environment and getting it across. Like, this is, it's so anti-WWE where all of the history is remembered and yeah. it does have ramifications and we're mm-hmm. not just living in four-week pay-per-view cycles of your your memory. Yeah, oh, you're a good guy, I can trust you again. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I mean, yes, like it was maybe pointed out by somebody that Cody happens to be one of the people that was screwed the most by the bloodline. Yet well, somehow. Cody's a glaring one, but it's almost yeah. as though they're not even ignoring it they're like asking why would cody do this so yeah like i hope next week like we get that explanation from cody Mm -hmm. nakamura reacts to payback and i was very happy to see that his reaction was a video with subtitles so they they realized they have they're sticking with her and he has broken seth like he broke the code that the two of them shared he underestimated seth's grip on the title but he was the one left standing on the battlefield he will prevail he will be champion. So the program continues and they did show footage of the post-show attack on Rollins by Nakamura. And that was the story that Rollins ended up needing, needing to be wheeled out of the arena in a wheelchair by his wife and Nakamura walked. And you definitely got the sense of a last man standing match being the follow-up based on kind of the, the language that they were using. And Hmm. if you can do the same thing, walk out of the arena, then you will be champion this time. I think that that would be wonderful, a wonderful way to um, sort of like take this back injury story to the next level. And now um, the added wrinkle, of course, they're putting onto it is that you get the sense this whole Nakamura thing is all in service of a big money in the bank cash and tease from Damian Priest, who, you know, of course, will be preying on a guy, a champion with an injured back. So they're going to put Seth through the hardest challenges and basically put it, turn him into Orange Cassidy from last night so that he is completely vulnerable to a cash in. Ricochet is meeting with Adam Pierce. He's still stinging over that loss to Logan Paul at SummerSlam. And Pierce then walks up to Seth Rollins and said, what are you doing here? Uh, You're not the medical team doesn't want you here. And Rollins says, I'm fine. I can fight. So this is how the clearance works in WWE. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Medical doesn't want you here, but they haven't like not cleared you like Kevin Owens, who is not cleared and is not here tonight. Ricochet just comes up and says, you know, I really respect you, uh, but you don't have to carry the show all by yourself. You know, our, our quarter hours are doing okay. We we're do we're drawing really well. Uh, Cody's a draw and Seth insists that he is fine. And he leaves mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle against the Viking Raiders in a tornado tag match. And uh, Michael Cole, very busy um, Googling the first tornado tag match, 1936 promoted by Morris Siegel with Milo Steinburn and Whiskers Savage against Fazul Muhammad and Tiger Dalla. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think maybe you should give a shout out. Um, if you do Google this, uh, Ryan Dilbert at Bleacher Report had uh, an article on this. So maybe Cole could have uh, given a shout out to his stats team uh, or who uh, he got hmm. this research from. Well, I'm glad you did. That's what I'm here for. Xavier Woods is gone with a cervical issue via um, office chair to the face. And Drew do, does. Do you his... know if that's real or story exaggerated? Line. Yeah, I think it's just the storyline. And Drew throws Riddle over the top onto the Vikings, uh, same spot they did last year or last week. And then Riddle comes in and does the D- the Dudleys get the table spot and they pull the table out from under the ring as we cut to break. 
It's like, this is the, the big pop moment. And we just go to break. Come back. Riddle is laid out on the table. So this must have been a hellacious commercial break for Riddle. But Drew clears the desk. And from there, he is stopped by Ivar from behind. And he tosses Ivar over the desk, hits the belly to belly to Eric. And after Drew lands, Ivar splashes him off the desk. Valhalla distracts Riddle, gets hit by a spin kick. And as they go for Ragnarok to put Riddle through the table, Kofi Kingston shows up. But he screws up and the trouble in paradise misses and he nails Riddle and Kofi is so sorry. They lawn dart Kofi into Drew and proceed to put Riddle through the table with Ragnarok and pin him in 952. Drew is not happy about this, even though he did the exact same thing last week. But the the hypocrisy is the idea here. This week, he thinks it's intentional. He thinks this was a receipt, whereas last week he to him, at least, you know, it was truly unintentional. So uh, there's follow up to that afterwards. But, um, you know, um, maybe a little bit surprised because, like, I thought at this point they'd be going through a pretty typical arc with, like, Drew and Riddle where they might experience some turbulence early on but then start to win. This is now, like, a few losses in a row, I think, for this team. I don't know if this team has really ever won a match together. You know, they're really, like, they really should not be teaming up, okay, at this point. So This also has none of the same charm that Randy Orton and Matt Riddle did, and I do feel that this one should be a more short-term one. I I don't think this is one that I would be investing months in. I think the faster – and they already seem to be accelerating the preparation for a droop turn. Yeah, and I think tonight's result, like having them lose and having maybe, you know, some of these backstage segments to follow – Gay certainly gave me the sense that we are going to not really get a full run with this tag team and that really it's just all being done to serve whatever evolution we're about to get in, in Drew McIntyre's character. So um, I'll have to say in all of this, I don't think the Viking Raiders benefited at all through any of these quote unquote wins. I mean, they're complete afterthoughts. I mean, really, the story is blank team losing versus the Viking Raiders winning. So whatever. They didn't even get their match with Owens and Zayn as the babyface tag champions. It's like Viking Raiders against a Judgment Day is a oh odd yeah, hit. oh yeah. No, they're they're not even talking about title contention for with them. Throughout the night, they just showed shots of all the various IC champions, which was a nice touch to make this feel like an important main event, which they did establish from the start would headline the show with Gunther and Chad Gable. Seth comes out; he is still the champion, but. Nakamura was the one to walk out and he was wheeled out by his wife on a wheelchair. So he calls out Nakamura who comes out, but he won't enter the ring and Rollins offers him a rematch tonight and Nakamura responds in Japanese. So he gets the what's and Seth says, I am not fluent in your native tongue, but I assume you're accepting this. And Nakamura turns down the offer and Seth says, I know it's Labor Day, but we're independent contractors and I've clocked in and I'm ready to fight. And he attacks Nakamura. They're separated by security and Nakamura knees him in the back and Ricochet comes out to attack Nakamura as a, uh, as Rollins backup here. And then they did this digital um, explanation online by Nakamura who explained, I won't be told what to do. I will decide when I oh, have. Oh, that was the subtitle. Afterwards. No, it was actually uh, non-subtitled. Um, they just put a video up on on Twitter and YouTube, and it was him just speaking in English. Oh, I see, I see. Just a, like another interview after the fact. Yes. Yeah, okay. they didn't air on the show, but did air online. 
so I found this really interesting, you know, like um, throughout the past build to a uh, payback, we've seen these great Nakamura videos that have all been done pre-production. We hit, we did not, we never saw him basically come out to the arena to cut a promo. And tonight was, I think the first instance we got to see this version of Nakamura do some sort of in arena speech. And they are opting to go with him speaking Japanese, weathering the what chance and then maybe saying something very matter of fact simple for the audience to be able to, un- to understand the gist of it and i guess to take that further they're they're going to have him translate it on the internet after the fact he could do shibata's deal with a phone <laughs> he could yeah he could or they um do, do you like the fact that uh to, to them japanese is a heel language um because when they when any in, when any any language is a heel language no like that's when, not when English. Spanish is spoken that's typically met with like a babyface reaction most times most times right okay well I guess it, it is like the most second most dominant language in in, in America and therefore maybe t- there's a bit more acceptance of it um I mean it happens with like you know French French Canadians speaking French and and others so is French a heel language traditionally yeah. I guess it would be in pro wrestling. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way you're going to change that unless, you know, Japanese becomes that much more um, prevalent and spoken by everybody. So I, I, I give them credit for like continuing to try to find ways to basically take this um, Nakamura character from the studio into a live setting. And I, I felt this was relatively successful tonight. I, I, I had no issue with the, with the segment and that takes us to Nakamura and Ricochet and <laughs> I did feel like the explanation could have been used here, like why this guy turns down a title match and then accepts an impromptu nothing match mm-hmm. right away. Um, right. But nonetheless, um, they just need, gonna... uh, you know what they need? They need like uh Barrett with some sort of like um, translation app or like, you know, like he should just open up Google translate so that he could hear what Nakamura say and then be able to translate to the audience. Well, um, the match here, they showed priest and Ripley, watching in the back and um it was like does priest think that nakamura won the title on on the weekend like what's he watching for here i mean the idea yeah you're right this part didn't necessarily make so much sense other than the fact that he is very interested in the title picture just because he's he's looking Mm. for a spot but the idea was to just convey that hey priest is very much in play in all of this it's not just about nakamura versus rollins it made sense by the end but not knowing that Rollins would get involved here. It was, right. uh, you know, maybe he was yeah. just, do you want to watch the match? Maybe he, you know, yeah. this was, yeah. you know, he was, he wanted to rank this on cage match. So there's a springboard clothesline standing shooting star by Ricochet hit the recoil and then a running cannonball off the apron that barely connected. Nakamura didn't catch him at all. So Ricochet just pretty much uh, dove off the apron and landed on the floor. And then Nakamura sends Ricochet into the timekeepers area and then attacks him with a chair for the DQ in nine and a half minutes. And Nakamura puts the chair around Ricochet's neck and he's setting up for a Kinshasa when Rollins runs down, security is back out, and Rollins throws security over the top rope, hits a big dive to the floor and hits Nakamura and Rollins is then sent back first into the stairs as Ricochet chases off Nakamura with a chair. Then they cut to Priest and Ripley tells him, not yet. Not mm-hmm. Now is not the time. Yeah, like, Now is a great time. This guy was in a wheelchair on Saturday and we, they just drove his spine into the steps. This would seem like a very good time. 
but you did a ricochet out here with the chair so maybe that was the hindrance but there's going to be an even better time is what Rio's probably thinking um yeah could nakamura have used a, a win tonight you know coming off of um, the loss to rollins and in, in setting up nakamura for for a rematch probably but um I guess they decided that this would have been a better way to maybe make Nakamura look crazy and that he really isn't so much concerned about mm, maybe even winning the championship as he is about injuring, you know, somebody or, or maybe he just also allows him to do another match with Ricochet. Maybe three. <laughs> You're right. I guess he's also wise. Since all his pay-per-view. How are we going to book this guy? <laughs> he's also wise to the idea that I already have a rematch. Why do I even need to bother with this right now? So I'm just going to, you know, get myself DQ'd and injured this guy. Um, But I will say, like, with the constant cutaways to precept, it becomes really obvious that, like, this is not Nakamura going to win the championship. It's just him setting up pre, uh, uh what is it, Rollins, you know, for the mm-hmm. cash-in. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Zoe Stark was interviewed and said that no one pushes me around, not even a Hall of Famer like Trish. And Shayna Baszler walks in and calls Trish dead weight and compares her to the way she dropped Ronda Rousey and says that they have unfinished business. And Zoe challenges her to a match to determine who the baddest woman in the WWE is. SmackDown on Friday will feature AJ Styles against Jimmy Uso. And then the Judgment Day are out with all of their titles. They're drowning out Dominic as they note it's his one year anniversary since joining the group. Balor calls Rhea the great voice of reason and that Damien, we've had our ups and downs, but now we're the champions. And he thanks JD McDonough for having his back for the last 20 years. And he also thanks himself for becoming Grand Slam Finn. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that moniker will take off or not. Grand mm. Slam Finn. It's not that bad. Well, as soon as he mentioned this, the crowd starts chanting, you deserve it. And this was a chant they did not want to get. And Rhea just has to, well, of course he deserves it. And just let's move on. We don't want any praise from you fans. Rhea says she is still aggravated, though, because everyone's talking about Jay coming to Raw instead of focusing on them. And then proclaims the bloodline has fallen and Judgment Day are the most dominant group in WWE, which didn't sound like just a throwaway line. Like that seems to be something that they are planting for a purpose. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, certainly you could be setting up a future bloodline faction versus faction match, but I mean, the bloodline asking, needs to be a group then. Well, you're left asking like what bloodline, you know, there, there isn't exactly much of a faction right now. I mean, well, there's three of them, I guess, if you include Jimmy, if Jimmy is, is going to be a part of it, I suppose. Um, or could it just been a way to, you know, drag Jay Uso into this particular program with this line? Well, JD walks out and he says he took the bullet for them and he wants to explain why he's out there because Priest is is skeptical of why he's showing up. And he says that big changes have been needed in Judgment Day for a while. And he tells Damien, 
the briefcase has got to go. You don't need it. And he takes the briefcase and hands him a new briefcase. A purple one. black and purple one that reads, Senor Money in the Bank. You would have thought that he had just given Damian Priest, like, a Ferrari. He was so happy at this gift. This would be the easiest guy to win over if he was not a fan of you. Like, he got bribed by, like, a Toys R Us briefcase. And he was ready to welcome this guy into the family with this briefcase. You have never seen a guy. No, oh, what a what a attitude adjustment. Those things are really expensive, dude. And then a custom paint job on top of it. I mean, the graphic design, you know, I'm sure. You know, there's like quite the... Well, my question is, gift. who took the old briefcase, which in theory has the contract in it? That's a very good point. Is I this hope just so. an empty briefcase he gave him and he's just walking around with his empty briefcase now? Um, Maybe he snuck the brief, the, the contract out. Sami Zayn comes out and he says that it took all five of you to rob us of our tag titles. And I don't see five champions in the ring. I was like, neither do I, because JD McDonough doesn't have a title. And he sees five championship stealing turds. (laughs) And this crowd tried to chant turds and they realized that one's not going to take off. And the biggest one is Dominic and he challenges Dominic, but instead JD steps up to fight Sami Zayn. Zayn accepts, and that will happen later. Mm-hmm. Gunther, with his white backdrop, he is speaking in German, and Gable cannot stand in the way of his legacy. History will be made tonight. Gable doesn't belong in the history books. Gable's fame is temporary. Mine is forever. Pierce meets with Raquel Rodriguez, and they have agreed to something. Some mystery has been approved. And Chelsea Green walks in and is now a two-time women's tag team champion, she has proclaimed. And we note that Piper Niven is not medically cleared as Pierce brings up the curse of these women's tag titles and, or sorry, green does. And Pierce implies maybe it's not the titles that are cursed. <laughs> no, these, these titles are 1000% cursed. Yeah. And they even did the, uh, what did they, 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 they put the, they did all the uncursing things to it too on social media. Did you see? Uh, no, I did not. They like, I don't know, brought out some sort of like weird, uh, witchcraft stuff to try to uncurse it <laughs> and great job. Clearly it didn't work. So what, what's going on with Piper Niven? I didn't, hear I don't know what the injury. deal is. I, I, I don't know, but I, I read this to be like a legitimate issue because I mean, they didn't just... even give him a fair shake, you know, and they would have done the injury on screen if it was, um, legit, like not just a word. She's right? also the muscle in the group. It's kind of tough to, um, even put her in that sort of like vulnerable light where she's like attacked or something. I mean, it's just, I don't know. We will, we will see where this goes, but green then runs down Raquel who is still standing there. They're going to have a match tonight. Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. So Stark is selling her arm throughout the match and constantly gets caught in the Kirafuda clutch and is fighting free. And then one of, after a standing switch to the Kirafuda, Stark tries to flip her over into the Z three sixty. Um, This was ultra ambitious and doing it on live television this was a, a rough go of things of it what was they more were more of a z270 like 289 you know yeah um maybe it was something that did not add up to a 360 so instead she just decked baszler and sent her to the floor and they just like moved right on and they didn't like rehash whatever they were trying here she tries the springboard corkscrew but lands again in the kirafuda and starks uh she fights it and fights it but finally goes out at 851 and then afterward baszler walks over and tells zoe that 
you gave me a better fight than Ronda ever did and fist bumps her, which I thought and, part of the and story Zoe was, says you gave me a better fight than Trish ever did. Yeah, which and they didn't Zoe never really fought fight. Trish. <laughs> and the whole story was that Ronda tapped you out in like a minute multiple times. Like, wasn't that the whole lead? Like, ask Shayna how many times I tapped her in a minute. And Baszler like admitted right. to it, right? On the Ultimate Fighter. So I uh-huh. I thought both here were just like very insane. You're not supposed to remember that. Uh, detail, but I, 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 I'm 100% sure that Stark never fought Trish. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think what they mean to say with a line like this is that... Um, Man, our partners sucked. <laughs> that's it, yeah. This booking too I thought was pretty unusual. You know, Zoe is just coming off of um, a breakup with Trish at the pay-per-view and... For her to do a pass out finish to Shayna Baszler, um, as a, I mean, even as a way to pair them up, I kind of found definitely unusual. Like you got the sense that these two are going to be a tag team, and as a team, I think they have a lot of potential. They have, you know, similarly. This could have been their Hobbs and Miro. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, like, is it meet when it's when it's like, um, like big women... meaty woman slapping big meaty women slapping meat? <laughs> sure. <laughs> They have similar. I don't expect those chants from these crowds. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think their styles could also mesh mesh well in a tech setting. You know, they don't have to do the Z three hundred and sixty spot on each other again. So, um, but otherwise, I think for for their sake, I hope these two don't end up in this cursed division. Like, why why would you want to enter this division? It's very true because, like, they both just kind of got out of tag team scenarios, or certainly Shayna did. So, what are you going to have her do? Like, just you know, compete for the tag titles again. And for Zoe, even, I kind of feel like that's a bit of a, you know, flat move rather than progressing in a singles path. So we'll see where it goes. Balor suggests to Judgment Day they bring McDonough into the group, but Priest says he still has to prove himself tonight and we'll see how he does. Dominic is like, whatever you guys think, whatever you guys want. I love that. He's great. Yeah. And Ripley then uh, the others leave and he te- she tells Dominic to make sure everything with JD goes to plan tonight. Chelsea Green is really being positioned as the tribal chief of the group. You know, she's the one with the biggest brain, the one who's basically the leader calling all the shots, the one who's looking at all the pieces like it's her chessboard. So we're left to maybe ponder why she wanted Dom to do this. Chelsea and Raquel was very quick. Raquel got uh, she ragdolled Chelsea from behind and then Green went for the injured knee. And then Raquel took her head off with a boot. Fall away slam, drills her with a clothesline and wins with the Tahana bomb in a minute 43. Uh, so that will set up um, a singles match for the tag titles, maybe. <laughs> I don't know about that, but might as well. Raquel then announces that what she uh, got confirmed with Adam Pierce is that due to the interference of Dominic, she's getting a rematch with Rhea Ripley next week where Dominic is barred from ringside. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't go 17 minutes. Yeah, I, on TV, it's. Uh, I hope not. They could go 17, but you'll get like two commercial breaks in there, maybe three. Gable is wearing a jacket that reads, it's an acrostic uh, poem here for Gable. Given aggressive beatings like experts. It's like, dude, did you have all week to come up with this? Like, you could have given me an hour, and I promise you I could come up with something better for G-A-B-L-E than given aggressive <laughs> beatings like experts. This was pretty bad. Dude. It's like, whatever. It was the worst thing he had on the show, but, I mean, th- this was terrible. Like, he, And you could see, like, he, his back is – he was really proud of this jacket. And now tomorrow I'm going to read somewhere, like, his 
daughter came up with this or something and I'll feel terrible. But it was it was just it wasn't that clever. That's all I'm going to say. So he responds to Gunther's promo and says he's already in the history books as an Olympian with a master's degree and a valedictorian. He's won every tag title in this company way. Every tag title. All three of them. And he's going to add to his legacy tonight and his family will be in the front row tonight. Drew is searching for Kofi Kingston. This is a solid like hour and a half since this match. He's like, Kofi, Kofi, like what's he been doing this whole time? He's like still sweating from the match. He runs into Riddle (laughs) and he says, I've got my eye on Jay because I know he's going to screw up. And when he does, I'll deal with him and I'll also deal with Cody. So, I mean, this is almost like we don't even need the turn. It's almost like he's already turned in some way. It's like he's Mm -hmm. plotting out his attack on these baby faces and he's kind of already being viewed in that light. So Kofi apologizes and Drew is suspicious. He was like, really? So last week I just accidentally nailed Xavier. And this week you just happen to end up hitting him with the trouble in paradise. It's like we just happened to remove CM Punk and you just happened to be drinking this liquid <laughs> on being the elite right before yes. a scene involving Coke bottles. Exactly that. So Drew yeah. was being skeptical. Just a coincidence. It, it could have been, mm-hmm. it could have been accurate and he's going to have his eyes on, on everyone in case any more accidents happen. And Kofi just tells Riddle to, to speak with Drew. Mm-hmm. I thought this was great. I think Drew's characterization has been excellent here. Um, all this shit is happening around him and it's causing him to become a little paranoid. He's starting to be suspicious of everybody around him. And I thought Drew played paranoid really well. He kind of, you know, when he started off with Riddle on Raw, like he went from being this pretty calm, like fun loving, completely confident guy, didn't really get bothered by a whole lot to now. He's a guy who suffered several losses. He now has to share a locker room with Jay Uso and he's, just you know in return getting starting to care a lot more and he's getting fired up and he's getting pissed off and he's becoming a far more interesting character and in even this little segment he's already set himself through you know for feuds with kofi with jay with cody for bringing jay in and of course eventually matt riddle as well so i think like drew has really like in this episode stepped up to become a pretty interesting character the performance is strong and um at the end of all this i hope he becomes a really interesting heel you don't miss the old uh scottish tales not at all no all this story time with uh drew baby yeah. ms tv he comes out And he states, I did not lose at payback. I was robbed and blindsided and announces his guest tonight on Ms. TV, the greatest of all time, John Cena. And dude, this place goes nuts. This was the biggest pop of the night and they all go wild. And then no John Cena, but this cameraman shoots Cena's entrance like movement for movement. But there's no John Cena. It's probably Stu. It was. It had to have been Stu, uh, who was the. He was the second best part of this segment uh, because as soon as he's doing this, I was like, "Okay, this segment is awesome. This is going to be great." Yeah. This was really funny the way they shot this entrance. And Miz states that he is going to interview John Cena, and says that John, you screwed me over. And the fans are so upset. They don't understand. And Miz says, can you see him? 
What you can't see John Cena? He's sitting right here. Miz says, you know, John, they can't see you, but I have been able to see right through you all these years. So I'm going to translate for you. And he asks, did LA Knight pay you off? Did you purposely screw me and conspire against me? And as he's asking these questions, the crowd's yelling, yeah. Miz says, don't yell, yeah. You can say yes. And then he's like, wait a minute. I don't like that word either, which was very funny. So just nod your head. And then he kicks out John Cena and says that this law should be stricken from the record book. He he gets shoved by John Cena. So he takes off his jacket. And then in maybe a top five Miz moment, he gets into a fight with John Cena and gives invisible John Cena the skull crushing finale. Dude, I... I you might have thought I was going to hate this thing. I love this. It was so entertaining. And then says that like John Cena, LA Knight is going to fade away and his chances of success are as make believe as John Cena is in this ring. And then he lifts up fake John Cena and he throws him like Brock Lesnar throwing a door across the arena. And then Michael Cole phrasing here says that Miz was lunging at an invisible man, which was the terminology that was being used Mm. about the whole punk thing with Tony Khan. And dude, Michael Cole is as online as he's ever been. And I don't think that was, I I don't believe in coincidences. Okay. That's, that's my new, that's my new thing. That that sounds like very specific wording. Lunging was a very specific term. Michael Cole, the the guy was dropping EVP terms at at will at the beginning of the show. Uh, Dude, this was such a great segment as much as I did not enjoy their match. And the fact is, this sounds like they're going to do another match. This segment was so entertaining. I thought it was so funny. It's almost like the match is the thing you kind of have to bear, you know, in order to get great segments like this. Um, I'm also not really looking forward to the match, but man, the back and forth. Bryce Remsburg has some competition. Oh, absolutely. The back and forth on TV has really made for some great segments. And the MVP of this entire act really has been the Miz. You know, he continues to really be some of the, like do some of the most excellent work he's done in years as a part of this. Impersonating LA Knight was a really entertaining segment last week, but this was even better. He continues to create like very unique and entertaining segments that have become highlights of Raw for several weeks now. Um, I think it takes a lot of ability to I mean, a lot of people can do this sort of like invisible, you know, man type of shtick. But to be able to know when to not do too much and to take it back to be serious, to be able to tie this segment into a very serious promo, um, you know, to, to build up to a match that you're about to have, I think takes a lot of tact and he's just really continuing to prove just how extremely talented he is to, you know, for a TV pro wrestling angle. Wait, I think there's a lot of talented people that would struggle to put mm-hmm. a segment like this together. I, I think there's a very small number that would have um, been as, entertaining as Miz was here. I think a lot would struggle. That's not a knock. I think this would be very tough to pull off uh, on their own. This was a really entertaining segment. Jay Uso is in the back and he walks past Akira Tozawa who just turns around and takes off. Even Tozawa hates this guy. And then he turns around, he meets Adam Pierce and Pierce explains that SmackDown is going to get trade compensation for him. And Therefore, someone is going to have to leave Raw for SmackDown, and that might not endear you 
to more people in the locker room. Like someone popular is going to get yanked from Raw and sent to SmackDown. So, dude, this guy cannot win. I love it. I love it. Love it so much. Again, it's like it. What a great way to build further resentment from the locker room to Jey Uso without Jey Uso really doing anything himself. So you're creating a lot of sympathy, I think, for the audience for Jey Uso while at the same time completely justifying the locker room's hatred of this poor man. So it's a lot more like I think interesting storytelling than I think what we're used to, especially as it relates to a trade. You know, as part of this like more often than not completely illogical brand split they put a lot of thinking into this and i think they're using something that is just going to create a wonderful redemption story for jay uso for this babyface locker room the one thing is that like they don't really present these locker rooms as being like all these friends and stuff like that, or that one person in the locker room, like who would be the person that the whole locker room is going to be upset over? It would have to be somebody completely beloved. And I think for that, um, our truth, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking Sami Zayn, you know, somebody on that level. Now Zayn is building up something with Dominic. So maybe it won't be him. Maybe it'll be a Kevin Owens, but I think it'd have to be something on that. Somebody on, on that level to just kind of further cause a lot more tension and divide. Well, Z- Zayn's an interesting one. Because mm-hmm. it would certainly give him something on SmackDown that the bloodline, like some some involvement there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and they certainly were presenting Zayn as the guy that gets along with everybody. Everybody. He's the glue that holds mm-hmm. everybody together. You know, whether it be Cody and Kevin or, you know, Riddle, everybody likes Sami Zayn. So to have him taken out in exchange for Jey Uso, everybody's going to hate Jey Uso. Sami Zayn takes, oh, and then uh, Ciampa walks into Adam Pierce's office, and that was all we saw of this. It's a very, very slow burn, whatever they're doing with Ciampa here. Sami Zayn and JD McDonough, um, a good match that they had. JD goes to the floor, but manages to send Zayn into the post. Um, JD's chest was all red from chops, and then gets hit with this beautiful Michinoku driver. Then an exploder into the corner, and he goes for the Haluva kick. But Dominic shows up, pulling McDonough to the floor. So Zane goes after Dominic, and then drills Dominic on the apron, which allows JD to roll him up in eight oh six for the win. Zane goes back to attacking attacking Dominic, and JD is just watching from the aisle. And when Dominic is set up for the Haluva kick, JD does the same, and he saves Dominic. And Dominic, he just hightails it out of there, and it ends up with JD being the one to take the Haluva kick. Yeah, a lot happened here, but ultimately you, I think, needed to show that um, Rhea wanted JD to win for whatever reason, um, and then... JD had to win, but at the same time, Sami Zayn had to give him had to look good coming out of the segment. So he he kicked um, uh, JD to close it. So I mean, you're left thinking, why does why does Rhea want JD to win so badly? To what to what end? You know, to keep the peace within Judgment Day, I guess. They showed the segment with Tiffany Stratton and Becky Lynch from Payback, and then just plugged Stratton and Kiana James, but no mention of Becky Lynch like popping up at NXT or anything like that. But wasn't on the show tonight. Judgment Day are celebrating with McDonough and Dominic uh, steps aside and he walks over to Jay Uso, who's the new kid in school and he has no one to eat lunch with. And Dominic explains that we both come from messed up families and Hall of Fame fathers. I know what you're going through. We know how it really is and says Jay has no family. No one likes him here. And it's the same as no one liking me. But with the Judgment Day, there are no leaders. We're all equals. And I'd be willing to speak on your behalf to them 
because it's always open arms there for you. We know what it's like. And Jay, thank you for your time. I love this. I thought this was fantastic. You know, to, to, what a brilliant idea to be able to draw parallels between like Dom's and, and Jay's characters using their broken family backgrounds, you know, um, to be able to tease Jay joining the Judgment Day um, again, further builds resentment from this locker room. And I think eventually when you have Jay refuse to join, it'll firmly endear him to the babyface side. And I think would like, it feels like it would be a, a great main event level introduction for Jay Uso as a top babyface on the show. So I loved everything about this, um, being able to continue to tease like part of the magic, I think of the bloodline part of the criticism now at the, uh, about the bloodline is that they, they do so many of these mysteries. Will he join? Will, won't he join types of storylines that it started to become stale, and this could get to that point too, but right now it's still it feels very fresh because it's Jay with a different group in the Judgment Day. Um, I think there's a whole new cast of characters now that are being impacted by a Jay Uso decision. You know whether or not he joins will affect the Judgment Day, but it'll also affect Drew McIntyre, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Cody Rhodes eventually as well. So they're really building a really strong like fresh set of storylines around Jay Uso as a nucleus of this show. And I think it's completely reinvigorated a lot of my interest in a lot of these characters. Next week, it'll be Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez for the women's title. Dominic is banned from ringside and Cody Rhodes returns. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he left, but he returns. He wasn't there today. He was off. He was off today. Gunther and Chad Gable is the main event for the intercontinental title. They go through the break. Gunther's in control until he gets caught with a knee bar through the ropes. And then uh, there's a chop. uh, There's a chop lock by Gable as he goes for the knee. Gunther then runs his boot and they showed the replay of this and he drills Chad Gable. Gable tries with some overhand chops, but then one from Gunther puts down Gable. Gable pulls down the straps and fires up, chokes Gable with his boot over the top, and then is sent to the floor. A second commercial break, and these were in pretty quick succession of one another. They must have like not done enough earlier on in the show. No, so the main event got hit here for the first half. But then they come back, and then things really heated up. Gable stops a powerbomb and sends Gunther to the floor and hits him with a released German onto the floor. Gable is rolling him into the ring, and as he slides in, slides right into position for a powerbomb by Gunther. But Gable comes back, and he hits this diving headbutt and this near fall. This whole crowd thought Chad Gable was winning the Intercontinental title, but Gunther kicks out. Gable goes right to the ankle lock. Gunther kicks him off. The chaos theory is stopped with an elbow. Then Gable puts the straps up and takes them down again, hits the chaos theory, another major near fall. He goes for the moonsault, lands on his feet, and puts on the ankle lock, and Gunther rolls. Gable still holds on. The place is heated as they think Gunther could tap. And then he goes to the mat and up kicks Gable, turns it into a rear naked choke, and then rolls. Uh, Gable rolls on top to get a two count. And the ending comes as Gunther hits a sleeper suplex, drills this guy on his neck, hits the power bomb, and then this lariat was Oof. unbelievable. It was a shotgun blast and yeah. took off Gable's head. And Gunther pins him, and they immediately cut to Gable's daughter, and she bursts into tears. Mm. And, dude, I 
there was a time in my life where I would have just thought like, oh my God, what a captivating shot that they got this emotion. Dude, I swear on on my my life here, this broke my heart to watch this. Oh, yeah. It was so sad to watch this daughter who just burst into tears at her father losing. This was like the most heartbreaking thing. And Gunther wins in 16 minutes and nine seconds. Awesome, awesome main event. Great I thought man. this was tremendous. And listen, as much as... LA Knight has really caught on with a lot of people. But for me, like Chad Gable is the one to me that has a lot more mileage with him. He doesn't have all the personality and he's not as over as LA Knight. But I just look at Chad Gable as somebody that to me has a much higher limit. If you can excuse a lot of the the way he's been presented all of these years. But um, I I think I think you you're looking at maybe two opposite ends of um, talents that would combine to make a great wrestler. You know, have, you know, L.A. Knight with incredible charisma. L.A. Gable. Yeah, mash them up, everybody. Uh, But then you have Chad Gable, who is charismatic, but not to the extent of L.A. Knight, doesn't have the size of L.A. Knight, but can be an incredible wrestler in ring. Um. That said, you can make money with everybody as long as you accentuate the, um, you know, um, attribute uh, strengths and, and and diminish the weaknesses. And I'm really glad to see that they are finally accentuating Chad Gable's incredible ability to have great professional wrestling matches. It only took what, like, it feels like what five years, you know, getting through like Shorty G's and even just the start of this Alpha Academy stuff before we realized. This guy is actually a great wrestler. Let's put him in. I think everyone match. knew he was a great wrestler. That was just. But then why haven't they? Why haven't we? Why haven't they pushed him like it, John? Well, well that that's a different question. But I think that's everyone what knew saying. the talent was there. It was just you know he was never going to get out of a position um, because this man was unfortunately not born uh, to be a six foot four individual. Yes. So they did a great job by, you know, making him feel like a main event star here. And um, this scene, I think, is going to be, you know, of, of his daughter crying is going to be the thing we'll all remember coming off of this. Um, she added so much, I thought, to the moment. And yes, it's completely heartbreaking. Um, but this might totally like humanize Chad Gable in a different way that they and it was crazy. It was not even as though like it was several minutes later that they saw this They instantly cut to her and it was like she wasn't even she hadn't even started it was like they cut and boom she burst into tears it was amazing the timing of it they they probably they probably had a camera on her the whole time you know but how Um, could you have known that level of reaction was coming you they probably knew a reaction was coming maybe they they just wanted it and it ended up being like more dramatic than they they thought like maybe they just thought yeah they would get something but my yeah. god this was just it's so heartbreaking but also so completely beautiful to see such you have a- to have chad come out next week and cut like the most like serious promo that he's done and respond to this and losing in front of his family and consoling his daughter and i i think I- you could really run with this in a serious way like he should not be out next week shushing yeah i thought it was so beautiful to see such a like purely innocent reaction from a fan that doesn't know that this stuff isn't real, or at least in this moment, doesn't know that this stuff isn't real. This is the type of reaction that professional wrestling at its best was created to, you know, foster. Um, and maybe, you, she, maybe she's just a big honky tonk man fan and realizes what this means. Could be. 
But if you put your, ourselves in like her shoes, any of us watching our dads go for the biggest accomplish, accomplishment of his at least professional wrestling career, fighting his heart out and coming up short, we would all be bawling our eyes out. So I thought she added so much to the emotion of the moment. And I think, you know, if she doesn't already realize it, when she grows up, she will completely realize how much she added to this match. Um, Gunther, of course, is the headline, but man, they got to run with this version of Chad Gable. I will, I will say, I think like what I feel like tonight, even they kind of failed with him is that I don't think he's very good at cutting a serious promo. You know, right now, every time I hear him speak, and it's probably because he's mm, kind of been like directed to be such a comedic character over these years. He's arguably gotten the most over he's gotten by being a comedic character. He's also adopted that not just like the the style, but the cadence of Kurt Angle too, like just the way he's but comedic Kurt Angle, comedic Kurt Angle, and not serious Kurt Angle. And I felt like that was missing from his promo today. You know, you're at this moment now after seeing a scene like this, having a match like this where he could be positioned as a real serious star. And that might mean shedding, you know, a lot of like the, the things that people have kind of fallen in love with him for. Um, I mean, not not to say he even has to, but he just needs to show a serious side when he's speaking. I didn't really get that sense. Yeah, I I, I don't think it would be. It, it's, it's a natural like evolution that you should get coming out of something like this. Like it was an incredible match, but you also had this very like human moment at, at the end of it as, as well. So uh, with all due respect to given aggressive beatings like experts, I think that there is a, mm-hmm. a next level for a Chad Gable, but an excellent match. And I would say, look, I I thought this was a pretty entertaining edition of Raw. Um, coming off of payback that you had this Jay Uso thread throughout the show that was not just limited to the first segment. It sort of is setting the stage for this big Several story directions. on Raw that can weave in so many different players that they're trying to do a larger story of this locker room. That is they are using Jay Uso's entry into Raw as a means of getting to Drew McIntyre versus Cody Rhodes. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, they're using him to further tease dissension within the Judgment Day. And if there's ever talk of like, you know, we, we kind of uh, discussed the potential War Games match, you have your team already. Judgment Day versus Jey Uso and name your baby faces on the raw side. They're also using him to, to, you know, create a trade onto SmackDown. So this little thing by moving Jey Uso over from SmackDown to raw has created just a, a huge domino effect of a lot of really interesting. You things. have all the existing uh, animosity between Jay and Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. And if a Sami Zayn gets moved, um, that only heightens that as, as a program on top of it like you have a lot of different options the the miz segment i just thought was hilarious i really enjoyed that i don't know if um that's a, a unanimous opinion people had but it's i unanimous I, I greatly enjoyed that so um yeah and the, the nakamura follow-up was was pretty good like mm-hmm. i i can't say coming out of payback that i'm dying to see this rematch but i am really compelled by the character and the and the bigger tease is the cash in by priest that I think will be a much more prominent focus because that was not anything leading into the, this past match, even with the, this this injured back and such. But yeah, that does feel like that will be a real possibility for this match, um, which feels like it'll be some kind of gimmick match if they go the last man standing route or something that can be really brutal. That necessitates How far away the, from the next show? October 7th. So about a month away. Okay. Hmm. All right. Let's uh, open it up. If you want to send in a super chat, you're welcome to do so. And we will also go to forum.postwrestling.com with your feedback. We got a couple super chats here. One from LCT who sends $5. Thank you for the support. He says, what's next for Gunther? Who beats him to end this epic reign? Um, 
you know, once once you've got the record, I think that at that point you maybe want to look at what is the. I, I do not want to see some ending to this where it's like he vacates the title at the end of this to go for a world title. Like it, mm-hmm. it should be someone gets something out of this at the end. And is this something that you push until WrestleMania or do you see a higher ceiling for Gunther before that? Cause when, once you've got the record at that point, I think you've, you've sort of achieved what you can. And I mean, you do also want to not just take it off for, for the sake of doing it, but have the person that's going to best um, gain yeah. something from it. I see Gunther's destination, maybe even a WrestleMania level main event at this point. You know, if it's going to be a Seth Rollins or another baby face at that level for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, to me, like coming off of an IC title run, Gunther is already ready for that spot. So I expect him to lose the championship before that, just so he could make that WrestleMania build, uh, run. Um, maybe even he like he'd be a great candidate to win the Rumble, actually. So um but as far as like who he might face and who might take it off of him, I mean, who are the candidates right now at this level? Who on the Raw roster would you want to see um, take the belt off of it? Well, that's the thing about this reign. Like, I don't view people being at like the IC level. I think that this is this has been elevated to a near. It, it's not the main event title, but it's not far off. Like you could have a a major name go go for this you could have a Jey Uso go for this you could have a Kevin Owens go for this you could anybody um that that you wanted to go for it um but it doesn't seem as though they have anything it's not as though they're they're telegraphing something yeah as far as like who could pick up the baton and like continue like this sort of elevated like status of the IC title like I would say the way John Moxley I have full confidence in being able to carry the the value that Orange Cassidy has put into the international championship um it's going to have to be somebody who is a main event player or somebody who like is very close to being a main event player. And maybe that's main event Jey Uso. Um, Cause I don't really see any others like at that level. Like, is it, I even think like for LA Knight, like, yeah, he's a SmackDown guy. If that means anything, but I don't even know if that would be a good level for, for LA Knight. So I don't know, maybe Champa, like if they get hot enough with him, um, but we'll see. Let's go up next to Jake Olinar, who sends $5. Thank you, as always, for the support, Jake. He says, John, I saw there's a new book on Ric Flair by Tim Hornbaker. Ordered my copy, and I'm excited to read it. I was wondering if you'll also check it out. Um, I've actually read the book. So, it's uh, yeah, it comes out in a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. We'll actually have a review of the book up on the site in a couple of days. So you can look out for that from Brandon Sears. Um, you recommend be... it? it? It's a very thorough book, especially of the – I would say pre WCW years for Ric Flair, like in particular the mid Atlantic and Jim Crockett promotions era um, for Ric Flair, very, very detailed of, of that specific uh, era of, of Ric Flair, like the most detailed you're, you're going to find on that aspect. Like it's, it's a very, very well-researched book on Flair. Cool. Let's go to some feedback here. We go to Muggin. Jay Uso left the tribal nest and on the long, long road to redemption. Everyone he's wronged, being the right-hand man from McIntyre to Riddle to Owens, being leery of him being on Raw has potential to be gripping. An episode light on star power, but the IC title got video packages all night long, and Gunther and Gable was a home run in one of the better TV matches of the year. The faux Elvis will leave the building soon enough. The I can't see Cena jokes must be retired after that mid-segment. R-Truth would sue his ass for biting his shtick. Oh, this was way better than anything R-Truth has done. With yeah. little Jimmy. Um, thank you, 
Thank you, Muggin. I, I like. Are you gonna read those from, in like a movie uh, trailer voice from now on? Uh, for Muggin, some of them. I think sometimes they're perfect material for them. Love it. Let's go to Nas, who says, I'm genuinely glad that I sat down for this Raw. The running theme of Jey Uso made him feel like such a big deal. It's really a credit to post-Vince Creative that they have been able to create baby faces again. What a novel concept. The Miz segment was so good, too good. Put it in the hat for promo of the year. Thanks for all your coverage this weekend and your excellent CM Punk article. Thank you, Nas. Um, yeah, it was a great segment. I'm not going to say it was uh, the promo of the year, but it was it was a very entertaining segment, and I like I it's the the finest compliment I, I can give. So, I think Miz has been fantastic here. Do you feel like him being so good in any way could harm your perception or audiences' perceptions of LA Knight because he has to be equally as entertaining and clever? Um, well, it feels like this program is continuing, so I. I feel with LA Knight, it's like the question is going to be, is this going to like, you're pretty much telling the crowd, this is a fad that's going to run its course. And I think like there is some legitimacy to people asking if this is going to be a character that um, ascends much higher, or is this going to be something that is really in vogue now that is going to have legs attached to it? Because I think the more and more and payback was a perfect example of it. I I think people do see like there there's a ceiling to LA Knight. He's a super entertaining over personality. How far do you go with that? And do you have to go all the way with him for your fan satisfaction of like obviously the company is behind him and is that is that enough or does his audience want to see something much larger for LA Knight? Yeah, I think fans will still cheer him even if like he doesn't have like I don't know as entertaining of a segment on SmackDown. They just like him a lot. As long as he can come out and talk, he's going to be over to his eyes. He's a great talker. And as long as he has that, I I think a lot of those guys that are great promos, they can be bulletproof to that. They're booking as long as they can go out there and redeem themselves with a great segment. And he has that ability. And I think he really has to answer for like maybe the criticisms of him being an Austin or rock clone. And I would argue that he would have to maybe evolve past that to show the audience that he's just a lot more than, than that, that he's something original and completely himself. All right. Well, thank you everyone. This concludes four consecutive nights of shows. So we want to thank all of you that checked out any and all of uh, those shows over the stretch from SmackDown to payback to all out the firing of CM Punk on Saturday, which we talked at the beginning of Saturday's show in length and in written form today up at postwrestling.com. And a big thank you to uh, all the uh, the help on the website over the weekend from the great Neil Flanagan, Andrew Thompson, John Ceno, John Kleinchester, Dave LeClaire, the whole team uh, putting in a lot of hours covering all of these different events that were going down. MLW had their Fury Road card on Sunday, so John Ceno has a report on that. And coming up, On Wednesday, 11 a.m., you can hear B Detroit and John Ceno here on the Post YouTube channel discussing Up Next. And then we will have a Pollock and Thurston this week. And Wednesday night, rewind a dynamite for the fallout from All Out. And don't forget, UFC 200, rewind away. Coming out on postwrestlingcafe.com this Thursday. Uh, And then after that, rewind a SmackDown and Collision Course, all cafe exclusives coming out this week. That's right. We'll do a deep dive into UFC 200, all of the news that week in history in July of 2016. And it was a very newsworthy one as we give our 2023 thoughts on 2016 stories. So tune into that this coming Thursday. And that is it for us. Thank you for watching Rewind to Raw.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.